0: And we are continuing our series on the good, the bad, and the ugly, looking at uh, the various kings of the uh, northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. Uh, I'm not going to go through um, everything, uh, all the... Um, I'm not going to go through everything every week because um, we've got like 40, 39, 40 kings to get through. So if I do a recap every week, um, it's gonna, <laughs> by the time we come to the end of it, it's going it's to be like a whole sermon just going through the kings that we've looked at. So um, we will kind of briefly summarize it. So that's what we did the first couple of weeks. That's what we did. Um, <laughs> last week, and um, so, yeah. So we, we're on Ahab, uh, and last time we looked at the fact that Ahab was the king of Poutin, and um, we saw, you know, that he pouted to Jezebel, he pouted to Elijah, he pouted um, to Jehoshaphat, he pouted to the prophet, he pouted to Micaiah, um, and you just saw he was a king of Poutin. But what I want to look at, today is, um, is an expansion of that pouting to see that he wasn't just a king of pouting; he was a spoilt king. I don't know if you've ever noticed that um, children who pout the most are often the ones who are spoilt the most. Uh, and what happens then is you get, you hear a lot today about um, entitlement. Oh, you're just entitled. Oh, you, uh, and what people are saying is, is you've got it Easy. You've got exactly what you want when you want it. And that's exactly what it was like with Ahab. He, he, he pretty much had whatever he wanted to have, but that wasn't good enough. He always wanted more. And he was just like a spoiled child. If you watch a spoiled child in the, in the supermarket or in the shops and they want something that they can't have, then there's the temper tantrum. There's the, the hands banging on the floor. There's the, you know, the, the attention drawn to themselves. The parents stood there in absolute dismay at the fact that their child is freaking out. But they're just spoiled. And when they can't get their own way, they pout. And that's what we saw with Ahab. And we can look at Ahab's life and we can say, ah, oh, what a, you know, what a ridiculous king. Guilty as charged. Because when we don't get our own way, when it comes to our praying to the Lord, we pout. And what we do then is, is we're just acting like a spoilt child. Now, we might be able to see that in a physical sense and in a material sense that, you know, when, uh, when we can't have something. How many of you have ever done this? How many of you have ever maybe gone to book your favorite restaurant and you can't get a seat? And then all of a sudden, your hunger goes, I don't eat anymore. You were just just going to go to this particular place to eat because you're starving. Yeah, well, I'm not hungry now. Move on. The restaurant's shut. Move on. Get something else to eat. Or maybe you're going out to to buy an item of clothing and you go to the shop and that particular item of clothing is not there. Well, I I don't want to buy anything now. When we can't have what we want, then we pout. And oftentimes when we don't get what we want from the Lord... We pout. And we act like a spoiled child. We are a child of God. We're not a spoiled child of God. In 1 Kings chapter 16, uh, and we're just going to read this, we looked at this quickly by way of introduction last time. But there's so much you can say about Ahab. We're not going to do this every time. I'm trying to do one king a week. It's still going to take almost a year to get through it. We're going to look at one king a week. But there are some kings you think... You can't even pinpoint something because so much happens. Even though Ahab only reigned for 22 years, remember um, Ahab is reigning for 22 years, he takes over the throne on the 28th year of Asa. So Asa's only got three years left to reign in the southern kingdom of of Judah when Ahab takes over in the northern kingdom of Israel. So for all of Ahab's reign, only 22 years, he is mentioned 80, 93 times in 81 verses. There is so much written about Ahab, and he was the worst king. You know, it says in 1 Kings uh, chapter 16, uh, and, and it says in verse 29, In the thirty and year of Asa, king of Judah, began Ahab, the son of Omri, to reign over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel in Samaria twenty and two years. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. And it came to pass, as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Zidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. And he reared up an altar to Baal in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria, and Ahab made a grove. And Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all of the kings of Israel that were before him. Uh, Remember, we've seen Baasha provoke the Lord. We've seen um, uh, other kings provoke the Lord. We've seen the wickedness of Saul. We've seen the wickedness of Jeroboam. We've seen the wickedness of of Baasha, of Zimri, of Omri. Uh, uh, We've seen the wickedness of all of these kings. And yet, the writer here says that Ahab made them all look like Boy Scouts. Ahab made all of those kings look like goody-two-shoes. Ahab was the worst. We didn't read this last time, but in verse 34 there's a little footnote that says this is how bad things were in Israel at this time. Because uh, in the days did Hiel the Bethelite build Jericho. And if you remember, God said, you do not rebuild this city. Because if you rebuild this city, I can promise you, whoever starts building it is going to set back. You know, whoever builds the gates, a son's going to die. If you build the foundations... Another son is going to die. And that's exactly what happened. In his, in his days did Hael the Bethelite build Jericho. He laid the foundation thereof in Abiram, his firstborn, and set up the gates thereof of his younger son, Segob, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Joshua, the son of Nun. That's how bad things were in Ahab's day. It was just wickedness all around. Wickedness breeds wickedness. The more and more wicked people get, the more and more that wickedness is tolerated, accepted, celebrated, and that just passes on then to more and more people. Ahab was worse than any of the kings that went before him. They were... They were none... Like unto Ahab, which did sell himself uh, to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord, whom Jezebel his wife stirred up. There was none like him. That's how wicked Ahab was. He was a cut above the rest. So, we saw last time, um, we saw last time um, Ahab's pouted. Uh, we saw the type of person that he was. We saw him pouting the Jezebel. Remember, after Elijah's victory on Mount Carmel, what happens? Uh, instead of Ahab repenting and saying, Do "You know what? Baal probably isn't the god to worship. Jehovah God has just proved himself as being the true God by bringing that uh, by um, you know answering Elijah's prayer and the fire falling from heaven and the sacrifice being consumed. Maybe I'm in the wrong, but... Ahab doesn't repent and admit that he's wrong. He goes home to Jezebel and says, it's not fair. And he pouts because he wouldn't admit that he was in the wrong. We see him pouting uh, after um, Elijah's victory because he pouted when things didn't go his way. We saw him pouting to Elijah because he said, it's your fault that it's not raining in Israel. He wanted to blame somebody else. He didn't like it when things didn't go his way. We see him pouting um, to the prophet when he didn't fulfill the word of God uh, and when he had an opportunity to wipe out the Syrian army and take Ben-Hadad, and he didn't do it, the prophet said, boy, God's going to... You're going to have to answer for that now. But again, instead of admitting that he was in the wrong... He just wanted to blame somebody else. He pouted when he was in the wrong. We see him pouting The Jehoshaphat when Mike didn't agree with him. Remember when he said, oh, I hate him. I hate that prophet. We see him pouting when he can't get what he wants. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. We're going to look at this morning, the spoiled king. 1 Kings chapter 21. 1 Kings chapter 21. It came to pass after these things that Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard which was in Jezreel hard by the palace of Ahab king of Samaria. And Ahab spake unto Naboth saying, Give me thy vineyard that I may have it for a garden of herbs, because it is near unto my house, and I will give thee for it a better vineyard than it, or if it seem good to thee, I will give thee the worth of it in money. And Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid it me that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. And Ahab came into his house, heavy and displeased because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him. For he had said, I will not give thee the inheritance of my father's. And he laid him down upon his bed and turned away his face and would eat no bread. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for this day, for this time together, for this opportunity to come around your word. Lord, we pray that you would bless to us the reading of your word today. We pray that you would speak to our hearts as we look at this spoiled king, this king who just did nothing but pout, even though he had everything that money could buy, it still wasn't enough. And we recognize that without the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives, nothing but nothing will satisfy. Nothing will fill the void that people have in their lives that they try and fill with all kinds of material possessions and and, and sinful vices. The only thing that satisfies is the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray you would help us to realize that when things don't go our way, when we don't have what we want, we still have all that we need. And Father, I pray that you would help us today to recognize that, and not to have a desire and to be covetous of wanting, needing something else when we already have everything we need in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Father, would you speak to our hearts today and help us not to be pouting Christians, help us not to be spoilt children, and help us to be the child of God that we need to be in the day and age in which we live. For we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. So here we see Ahab pouting. He can't get what he wants. So what does he do? He's got everything. He's got a palace. He's got all the land that he needs. He's got all these people at his disposal. I mean, whatever he says normally goes. But the one person who won't give in to him and say, yeah, okay, no problem, you can have my land. Ahab just acts like a spout child. He goes, lies down upon his bed, turns his face away, and eats nothing. So we see here Ahab's vanity. Um, Several years have passed since Elijah's wilderness journey. Israel has had several wars with Syria. Uh, The vineyards are growing in Jezreel again. The effects of the three and a half year famine have been overcome. And Naboth has a vineyard next to Ahab's palace. And Ahab wants it. He sees something. He wants it. And he offers Naboth a better parcel of land. He offers Naboth um, more land, more money. And you think, well, why wouldn't Naboth just take it? How many, let me ask you this question. How many times have you read this passage of Scripture and thought, why was Naboth being so stubborn? Why didn't Naboth just say, do you know what? Yeah, fight." have the land, I'll take the money, you know, I'll go and set up a vineyard somewhere else, I'll just take the money, I'll be better off. He would have saved himself a whole host of problems. Why did Naboth refuse to give that land to Ahab? Because God's word meant more to Naboth than any land or money that Ahab offered him. Why? Why? Because in Numbers chapter 36 and verse 7, it says, So shall not the inheritance of the children of Israel remove from tribe to tribe. For every one of the children of Israel shall keep himself to the inheritance of the tribe of his fathers. Naboth wasn't being awkward. He wasn't being difficult. He wasn't trying to extract a better price from Ahab. He was being obedient to the word of God. Because that's what he said. He said, Naboth said to Ahab, the Lord forbid it. Naboth didn't say, Ah, Ahab, if the price is right, maybe we can strike a deal. If if the money is right, or if the land you're offering me is better, maybe we can talk about it. But he doesn't say that. He said, the Lord forbid it me, that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. What Naboth is saying is, the word of God is far more important to me than your land or your money no matter who you are. You know, I wonder sometimes, you know, we can get a little bit star- starstruck on times, can't we? And I wonder what would happen if, you know, King Charles walked in or the, the Prime Minister walked in or the President of the America walked in and said, I'll give you this if you deny your faith, if, you know, you give up your, your church, if, would we be willing then to say, no, I mean, we're not doing that. You know, what happens one day when laws are passed where it says, you can't preach the gospel, you can't hold fast to your faith, you can't say stuff like that anymore. Would we still be willing to say, well, wait a minute, the word of God is far more important to me than my freedom, than my comfort, than my liberty? Naboth was simply being obedient to the word of God. But Ahab pouts we've seen that we've seen he's a pouty man you know he's not a shouty man he's a pouty man I can't get my own way so I'm just going to (laughs) pout woe is me and he's a spoiled brat that's what he does what does he do he goes in right I'm not speaking to anybody I'm going to lie down I'm not going to eat and I'm not going to he's not fasting and praying seeking the Lord's face and not eating he's just pouting and being so you ever had that when the kids wouldn't eat their food and they'd sit there like they were spiting you It makes no difference to me. I've eaten. I'm not the one who's going to try and sit there for the rest of the night and not eat. Because in five minutes' time, you are going to be the one that's hungry. What do we say? You're cutting off your nose to spite your face. That's what my parents used to say to me. Oh, you're cutting off your nose to spite your face. I had no clue what that meant until I had kids of my own. I could never understand when they said that to me, but then I'd say to my kids all the time, Oh, you're cutting off your nose to spite your face and I'd see the same blank look on their faces that I'd had on my face when my parents said it to me. But we always think we're hurting somebody else, don't we, when we're pouting, when we act this way. Do you honestly think that God is going to be like, oh, no, I can't believe it, they're not speaking to me. Oh, no, I can't believe it. Oh, okay, I'll change my mind then, and I'll give you what you want, even though I know it's going to hurt you further down the line, have your own way. You know, we'd, we'd always make decisions based on the best interest of our children. No, you can't do that. My parents weren't being mean when I wasn't allowed to stay out after dark. They were looking after me. God is not being mean when he says, No! To something in our prayer life. He's looking out for us. Why? Because he knows what's coming further down the road. He knows what's going to happen. But Ahab just pouts when he doesn't get his own way. Proverbs 15:16 says, Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. Ahab wanted what he didn't have. I, I love this quote. So I should have Put it up on the screen. It says, covetousness is wanting what I don't have. Contentment is being happy with what I do have. But the world always wants more. Isn't it funny that the world wants what they don't have instead of being happy with what we do have? Ahab was a spoiled brat because he was just focusing on what he didn't have. He had everything but he didn't have Naboth's vineyard. And that's what he wanted. He had not learned to be happy with what he already had. You know, we can see that Ahab is just absolutely burning up inside because he's not learned to be content with what he has. Paul said, "Not, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, Therewith to be content. You know, I think sometimes we find it difficult to be content with what we have. It's only when things are put into perspective then that we realize how better off we are than a lot of people in this world today. It's only when something tragic happens to somebody else that things are put into perspective and then we think you know what my problems are really not that bad my problems are really not that big but i'm stood here pouting and having a go at the lord because he hasn't answered my prayer the way i think he should and he hasn't done what he he should have done you know days and days and days ago and sometimes we just act like spoiled children A person with contentment has learned self-control and restraint from wishing for that which is not available. Alexander the Great conquered the world, but did not conquer himself. And in a fit of rage, even killed those closest to him. Coloss- Three 1 to 2 says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on earth. Naboth learned to be content with what he had. He had a vineyard. That's what he had. He was content. Ahab offered him something better. But Naboth said, Well, no, God's word says that I should look after what I've already got than having a desire to want something I don't need. Ahab was not content, and was miserable, and was restless. Was pouting in, because he was spoiled. And Jezebel says, what's the matter with you? Jezebel comes in, in verse 5, and says unto him, Why is thy spirit so sad, that thou eatest no bread? And he said unto her, Because I spake unto the neighbor of the Jezreelite, and I said unto him, Give me thy vineyard for money, or else... If it please thee, I will give thee another vineyard for it. And the answered, I will not give thee my vineyard. And Jezebel, his wife, said unto him, Dost thou not govern the kingdom of Israel? Arise and eat bread, and let thine heart be merry. I will give thee the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite. Jezebel has a, con- a contempt for Naboth, not because he refused to give that land to Ahab, but because he was adhering to the Word of God. Can I say this to you? You can believe whatever you want to believe today. You can believe that there's an alien life form out there. And you can, you can say that, yeah, Area 51 is full of UFOs and aliens, and, and, and you can stand up and believe, and the world will say, oh, they might have a point. But the minute you say, I believe, In one God, one faith, one baptism. I believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, virgin born, sinless life, died on the cross for the sins of the world. You start believing that claptrap and then suddenly you are public enemy number one. But you can believe whatever else you want. Ah Ah Ahab was wound up because he couldn't have the land. Jezebel is wound up because Ahab is such a, a pout there, but she's also wound up because Naboth is a man of the word. He's sticking to the word of God. And then we see Jezebel's villainy. What Jezebel does then is concocts a plan to set up Naboth. She is going to get people to bring false accusations against, against Naboth, to say that he's blasphemed, that to use the word of God against him so that she can get rid of him. She writes letters in Ahab's name and seals them with a seal and sends those letters to the elders and the nobles in the city. And in those letters she says, Proclaim a fast, set Naboth on high among his people, and set two men. Why two men? Set two men before him, uh, sons of Belial, uh, to bear witness against him, saying, Thou didst blaspheme God and the king, and then carry him out and stone him that he may die. She knows what the Word of God says. She knows in the Old Testament law you needed two witnesses in order to ratify something. And she says, you get two witnesses, get two unsaved men, get two devil worshippers, and then get them to bring a false accusation against Naboth and said he blasphemed. Why? Because that's a stonable offense. She uses the Word of God against Naboth so she can get rid of him. Naboth is falsely accused of these men of Belial. Uh, verse 13 says that they witnessed uh, against Naboth uh, that Naboth blasphemed. Then they sent the Jezebel saying, Naboth is stoned and is dead. And they got rid of him. And you might say, well, where is God in all of this? Why didn't God stop this? Naboth was standing up for the word of God. Naboth was saying, I'm not going to compromise my stance. I'm not going to do something that contradicts God's word. I'm not going to do something that goes against God's word. I am not going to do something that's going to bring disrepute to God's word. So why did God allow Naboth to be falsely accused by unsaved people, to be stoned to death for a crime that he did not commit, and allowing Ahab and Jezebel to get away with what they got away with? Not fair, is it? Can I say this? God did not allow Ahab and Jezebel to get away with it. They will reap what they sow. We see the couple's victory. It says in verse 15, And it came to pass when Jezebel heard that Naboth was stoned and was dead, that Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite, which he refused to give thee for money, for Naboth is not alive but dead. And it came to pass when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, that Ahab rose up to go down to the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite to take possession of it. Proverbs 21, 6 says, The getting of treasures by a lying tongue is vanity, tossed to and fro of them that seek death. It's a vanity. It's a fleeting fantasy. It doesn't last. It's emptiness. Their victory was temporal. Naboth's victory was eternal. He was a man of the word. Yes, he may have been stoned for a crime that he did not commit, but he was promoted directly into the glory that was awaiting him and is there now in the presence of the Lord. Ahab and Jezebel's victory was empty. It was unlasting. The Lord watches these events unfold. The word of the Lord then came to Elijah the Tishbite in verse 17, saying, Arise and go down to meet Ahab king of Israel, which is in Samaria. Behold, he is in the vineyard of Naboth, whither he is gone down to possess it. God knows exactly where Ahab is. God knows exactly what Ahab and Jezebel have done. God knows exactly what's happened to Naboth and nothing escapes the gaze of the Lord because his eyes are in every place beholding the evil and the good. He is well aware of what people do. He knows exactly what Ahab has done. He knows exactly what Jezebel has done. He knows the innocence of Naboth. God says to Elijah, you need to go and speak to Ahab again. And we see the Lord's veracity. What that is, is the, the truthfulness, the, um, the, the, the steadfastness of the Lord. We see the Lord coming through. You know, oftentimes in our lives, we, we kind of say, Lord, what? Where were you when that happens? And every time that that kind of goes through our minds, you you always go back to that poem of footprints. You know, when there was one set of footprints in the sand at the worst moments of our lives, that's when the Lord carries us. That's when the Lord says to us, I know you can't get through this on your own. I, I know you can't do this on your own. I know you can't cope with this on your own. But I'm not asking you to cope with it on your own. You can trust my word. He is the embodiment of truth. He's not just the embodiment of truth. He is truth. The Lord Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So we can trust him. When things don't work out the way we think they should, we can still trust the Lord. When the world seems to be against us and Christians are falsely accused of things they haven't done because they don't line up to the narrative of the world today and they are hounded and harassed and persecuted, God does see everything that takes place in our lives and guess what? He rewards accordingly because he can be trusted. Ahab's party is about to come crashing down. Can you imagine, Ahab, you know, the amount of times people say, well, if there's a God, and you try and witness, you, well, if there's a God, why don't he strike me down with lightning right now? Well, for two reasons. First of all, because I'm standing too close to you and he wouldn't do that to me. And secondly, because right now you're in something called an age of grace. Where God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, now you can imagine Naboth wandering around his vineyard and like got away with it. Yeah. Look at me. I'm the king of the castle. And then Elijah comes up. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a me, He's like, oh, I haven't seen this guy for ages. Like the last time I saw him, he's like. Mm-hmm. Ruined the religion that I'd been promoting through Israel. And then the time before that, I saw him, he like ruined the agricultural prosperity of the nation that I'm reigning over. And now he's going to reign on my parade once more. What is he meant to say to Ahab? God says to Elijah, speak to him, saying, "This saith the Lord, hast thou killed and also taken possession? And thou shalt speak unto him, saying, "This saith the Lord, In the place where dogs lick the blood of Naboth, shall dogs lick thy blood, even thine? And Ahab said to Elijah, Hast thou found me, O mine enemy? Elijah is just a thorn in Ahab's flesh. Hast thou found me, O mine enemy? And he answered, I have found thee, because thou hast sold thyself to work evil in the sight of the Lord. Behold... I will bring evil upon thee and will take away thy prosperity and will cut off from Ahab him that pisseth against the wall and him that is shut up and is left in Israel and will make thine house like the house of Jeroboam the son of Nebat, and like the house of Baasha the son of Ahijah. For the provocation wherewith thou hast provoked me to anger and made Israel to sin. God says to Elijah, you just go and tell that spout brat exactly what's coming his way. God will not be messed with. Elijah exposes Ahab's sin. Ahab is like a rabbit caught in the headlights. He can't deny what he's done. Because he's he's standing with his hand in the cookie jar. He's standing in a vineyard that doesn't belong to him. A vineyard that's been taken by force. A vineyard that's been taken by deceit. A vineyard that's been taken by something contrary to the word of God. Ahab calls Elijah his enemy. Ahab is so blind that he mistakes his friends for foes and his foes for friends. What if he'd listened to Elijah the first time around? Then he wouldn't have had to have been on Mount Carmel. Then he wouldn't have had to have been running to Jezebel. Then he wouldn't have had to uh, 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 have been uh, battling uh, because he didn't obey the Lord and, and take out the Syrian army when he should have. And Elijah just tells him, you've sold yourself to work evil. You're a slave to your own sinfulness. Ahab would trade the valuable for the cheap. And you know that's what we do sometimes. We trade the valuable, the spiritual things for the cheap tack of this world. You know, we, we went to Istanbul. We've got no luggage. We've got no clothes at all. None, because our luggage got lost on day one of our holiday. We go to Istanbul and I thought, oh, i would pick some stuff up. All the Nike ticks are upside down and Adidas is spelt wrong. You want some Timmy Hill figure stuff, I, I can hook you up. It's, everything is just fake. Everything. And sometimes you think, why do you pay money for these clothing? You know, they, they just look just as good. They don't. Because guess what? When you do the button up, it puts the whole shirt out of shape. But we do that in our spiritual lives. We trade the valuable the spiritual, for the cheap, for the things of the world. And the things of the world are never going to satisfy. The things of the world are never going to cause us to walk any closer to the Lord. The things of the world are never going to develop us as believers in Christ. But they'll cheapen us. They'll affect our walk with the Lord, not for the better. Any time that we choose To walk closer with the Lord, we're going to make a foolish decision. Proverbs 11, 21 says, uh, Though hand join in hand, the wicked shall not be unpunished, but the seed of righteousness shall be delivered. Elijah says, When Naboth died, the dogs would lick the blood of Ahab. Elijah basically tells Ahab, you are not getting away with your sins. In 2 Kings chapter 9 and verse 30, we see the fulfillment of this prophecy because Ahab's death was going to be a violent one. Jezebel, the Lord said, the dog shall eat Jezebel by the wall Of Jezreel, him that dieth of Ahab in the city, the dog shall eat, and him that dieth in the field shall the fowls of the air eat. That was the prophecy in 1 Kings 21 given by Elijah to Ahab. In 2 Kings chapter 9 and verse 30... When Jehu was come to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it, and she painted her face and, tri- and tired her head and looked out of a window. And as Jehu entered in at the gate, she said, hath Zimri peace, who slew his master? And he lifted up his face to the window and said, who is on my side? Who? And they looked out to him, two or three eunuchs, and he said, throw it down. So they threw it down, and some of her blood was sprinkled on the wall and of the horses, and they under underfoot. And when he was coming, he did eat and drink, and said, Go see now this cursed woman, and bury her, for she is a king's daughter. And they went to bury her, but they found no more of her than the skull and the feet and the palms of her hands. Wherefore they came again and told him, and said, This is the word of the Lord, which he spake by his servant Elijah the Tishbite, saying, In the portion of Jezreel shall dogs eat the flesh of Jezebel. And the carcass of Jezebel shall be as dung upon the face of the field in the portion of Jezreel, so that they shall not say, this is Jezebel. What a way to go. Elijah said to Ahab, your sins are going to catch up with you. You're not going to get away with this. And God's word came to pass. Elijah's word did move Ahab somewhat. In verse 27, it says, It came to pass when Ahab heard those words that he rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his flesh and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went softly. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, See then how Ahab humbleth himself before me, because he humbleth himself before me. I will not bring this evil in his day, but in his son's day. Will I bring this evil upon his house? For the first time, Ahab is moved by the word. Some people say, did Ahab repent and accept the Lord? And is Ahab saved? Absolutely not. I don't believe for a moment. Ahab is moved because he was caught out. There's a difference between, between being repentant and being Sorry. Being repentant means that you are mortified by what you've done and you change your attitude and opinion and you don't do it again. You're sorry when you get caught out. You can get away with stuff for so long, but once you're caught, you are sorry. I believe Ahab was sorry. Not because he'd killed Davos. Not because he'd led the nation to worship Baal. Not because he'd wrongly married Jezebel, which the Bible forbid him to do in the first place. Not because of any of that. He was sorry because God caught up with him. His sins caught up with him. Ahab was about to reap what he had sown. And like a spoiled child, instead of saying, Oh, what have I done? I repent. He basically says, sorry. How incredible that if he had repented, if he had turned his heart to the Lord, he could have been saved. You know, I remember them. Chris Pluto his testimony. Uh, Chris Pluto grew up as a, as a Catholic um, and uh, Meg was uh, saved in a Baptist church and they were getting ready um, to get married. They were doing a, um, the premarital course and the pastor basically just gave Chris the gospel. Uh, Chris accepted the Lord as his savior during the premarital discipleship. And this is Chris's own words. Chris said, growing up as a Catholic, I knew enough. I knew who Christ was. I knew, you know, that God was real. But he said, I had plenty of head knowledge, but I'd never accepted him. And this is what Chris said. He said, I was always only 18 inches away from heaven. He had it up here, but he didn't have it here. You could say that Ahab was just 18 inches away from heaven, if he had just repented, if he had just accepted the Lord, but he was too spoiled to do that. You know, sometimes we get ourselves into trouble with God and then we just make things worse. Did you ever do that as a child? You know, I used to say this to my girls all the time. Just don't lie to me. If you've done wrong, admit it. We'll sort it out now. But if you lie to me, you're just going to get yourself into more and more trouble. Sometimes we do that with the Lord instead of saying, right, I'm in the wrong. I know I'm in the wrong. Lord, I want to put this right. But as a spoiled child, as somebody who feels maybe entitled that God should be doing this for me, we just make matters worse. Let's just put it right first and foremost. If we've gone off track, if we've wanted something that... we shouldn't want, if we've desired to have something that's not ours, we need to learn to be content with what we do have and not be covetous over what we don't have and not pout when the Lord doesn't answer our prayer the way we think he should. Can I say this to you? He knows what he's doing. We don't. says in 1 Kings chapter 22 and verse 37, and this is talking about Ahab, and the king died and was brought to Samaria, and they buried the king in Samaria, and one washed the chariot in the pool of Samaria, and the dogs licked up his blood, and they washed his armor according to the word of the Lord, which he spake. Exactly what Elijah said would happen to Ahab, happened. Exactly what Elijah said would happen to Jezebel, happened. So what? So that means we can trust God's word. If God has made a promise, he will not, cannot go back on that promise. God's word can be trusted. But sometimes, a spoilt child will not listen to the advice of their parents. Even if their parents know better. Because they want their own way. Can I say this to you, child of God? Don't think getting your own way is going to fix everything. Because half the time, we haven't got a clue what we're doing but I'm thankful I serve somebody who knows exactly what he's doing. In the times that we don't know what to do, let's just trust him. You know, sometimes that saying is a bit cliche to let go and let God. Sometimes we just need to put our hand in his hand and say, Lord, lead on, because I don't know where I'm going, I don't know what I'm doing, and I can't cope with this situation I find myself in. So Lord... Just lead the way and I'll just hold on to you a hand and I'll trust you. A spoilt child will always try and pull away from their parents' hold. But a child who fully trusts in their parents' grasp, a child of God that trusts in the grasp of the Heavenly Father, will never be led astray. Father, we thank you again for this day and for this time together this morning, for this opportunity. To come around you with word. Lord, we pray that you'd speak to our hearts today and just help us in those moments where we feel like stamping our feet and folding our arms and turning our back on you. Help us to recognise that you know exactly what you're doing. You know the beginning from the end. You know the path that we're treading and You know where we can go wrong and you know how to stop us from making those poor decisions. So help us to trust you, Lord. Help us to be content with what we do have and not covetous by what we don't have. And Help us to simply hold onto you your hand to trust you as you lead the way. We pray and ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Hey, Let's stand and sing our last hymn together. was down at the feet of I wonder if Sam would close us in a word of prayer. Thank you, Sam.